diametric opposites on idiocy. (laughs) Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Afterspark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 25, Atlantis Arise. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Sure. Today we open with a super grumpy old man who is not happy about being woken up in the middle of his afternoon nap. Soundwave has apparently found an underwater city. And I don't know why Megatron is so mad at Soundwave here, because nine times out of ten, Soundwave's going to have a point if he's telling you something, especially if he's waking you up. And hey, we're back in the Decepticon base proper this episode. I feel like it's been so long since we've seen it. Honestly, it probably has. The cons leave their base to go investigate this possible new source of energy. I love that they leave out the top of their base to go find to go find an underwater city, but sure. So so the thing that they do is you know how the base or the whatever the boarding tower, exiting tower goes out of the water? It goes out of the water, it opens up and then they all fly out and then go into the water again. Yeah, yeah, after they like get closer to the destination, then they dive into the water. It's just like, that seems like a... It's just, what was the point? They apparently arrive at their destination where Laser Beacon Buzzsaw meet them and return to Soundwave. Megatron even compliments them. Good burbs. Good burbs. Yes, very good. Megatron dives into the ocean and the other cons follow. And lo, an underwater city is revealed. Spags? Spags? Why is it on fire? It's underwater! I don't know. Deep sea bacteria? Thermal vents? Who knows? Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and um, Starscream's an idiot and charges the city with the other two Seekers following behind him like ducklings, despite Megatron loudly objecting to this plan. Didn't we mention they're in jet mode underwater here? Because they totally are. That's not how jets work. <laughs> At all. They hit an invisible wall and get thrown back. And then they float there like stunned fish and I love it. <laughs> so when Starscream charged, he shouted, Waiting is for timid zap mice. So when they fail, Megatron retorts with, and rushing forward blindly is for adults. (laughs) We're introduced to the sub-Atlanticans, the inhabitants of this underwater city. Meet the catfish people. They're green and telepathic. Soundwave catches on to this real quick. Mm -hmm. Starscream continues to make great decisions today, attempting to shoot the sub-Atlantican king and two of his soldiers. Instead, the Sub-Atlanticans shoot him and threaten the Decepticons until Megatron blasts the rocks behind them. Oh, we're off to a great start. Aren't we? The king communicates to his guards telepathically with a high-pitched gibbering noise and also keeps moving moving his mouth, so make of that what you will. Yeah. According to the TF Wiki, if you take this noise and slow it down, they are actually saying things here. Something to the effect of, they suspect lower your weapons and do not be aggressive. Which is actually a method they use later in this episode, so that makes sense, and it's kind of neat. Starscream, however, finds this suspicious and orders Soundwave to unscramble the noise. The king offers to be Megatron's ally and leads them into Sub-Atlantica. And Megatron, why? (laughs) He explains that though they have an abundance of energy, they must remain deep underwater to use it. I mean, this seems like the perfect place for them to use it, considering they're catfish people, but okay. (laughs) They do fine on land later! I guess. Um, To which Megatron retorts that they'll stay underwater, too. Until they can take it from them. 
Megatron, he is standing right there. Why would you say this aloud? Because Megatron is an egotistical asshole. Let's no, be real. He's a dumbass. That's what he is. He's both. <laughs> he can be two things. He can be complicated. <laughs> if, even if that complication is egotistical dumbass. <laughs> Later, we see that Soundwave has manufactured a fuck ton of, you know, cubes for Energon. And the Sub-Atlanticans are putting Energon into said cubes. In the meantime, it seems that Megs has gotten chummy enough with the king that they're on a first-name basis, as he calls him Nurgil. They're good chums now. Or chumps. They're all chumps. They're planning on taking over the world. The surface world, that is. Do these guys have enemies? Are they at war with Octopi? Are there more of this race around that aren't assholes? These are the important questions. Yep. But today, at the Ark, the world's most bizarre football game, including one human, one Volkswagen, one Jeep, and several dinosaurs. At least Spike is wearing all of the, you know, correct uh, personal protective equipment for this game. For once. Still not sure if that's going to help against the dinosaurs, but okay. Or running into the Jeep or the Volkswagen. (laughs) Or, well, anything. (sighs) But, yeah. It appears that it's some Autobots and Spike. Versus the Dinobots. Uh, can we talk about how Bumblebee is, like, holding back Grimlock by himself in the middle of this? I, I feel vaguely like Grimlock was just, you know... Being, being nice because because they kind of like B. I could totally see it if they kind of like B. Like, they've explained the concept of a game and not brutally murdering the people you're playing against. <laughs> We're not trying to kill Bumblebee, got it. Wheeljack comes out and says that Optimus needs them, ending the game. In order to get out of playing with the Dinobots, the Autobots volunteer for a mission. <laughs> to the depths of the ocean! Of course, uh, or, you know, 20,000 leagues under the sea, but with Autobots, sure. <laughs> Uh, Bumblebee, Spike, Wheeljack, Hound, and Brawn all take off. Oh, the dream team, apparently. (laughs) And they arrive at the edge of the ocean, driving straight on in. Hound has a convertible ceiling he puts up for this. I mean, he doesn't want his upholstery to get wet. That would just, honestly, he might smell like wet dog. Wouldn't everything get wet when he transforms underwater anyway? Maybe his upholstery goes into... Subspace before it can get wet? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> B doesn't seem to care about his upholstery as Spike exits underwater in a swimsuit. And by swimsuit, I mean it's just like a Speedo or something and an oxygen tank. Did it have to be a Speedo? <laughs> it was the 80s. It was the thing, I guess. I don't know what men wore for uh, swimsuits in the 80s. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it was the hot thing. I don't know. We didn't exist yet, remember? <laughs> <sighs> and then Spike proceeds to tell the Autobots about Atlantis. You know, while wearing a face mask. Those are so easy to talk in. But then they're attacked by the Sub-Atlanticans. I find it really questionable that the king is on the front lines here, but I guess he's a man of action who leads his people by example. I think you mean a catfish man of action. <laughs> <laughs> also attacked during this, um, still while underwater. Still not how jets work. Space jets! <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Starscream shouldn't be able to fly in space either, but he demonstrably can. <laughs> Wheeljack says he'll hold the Decepticons off as the other Autobots escape. Starscream attempts to follow, but 
Ron lobs a gun at him. You know, like a harpoon. <laughs> it hits, and Starscream completely forgets he's in the water because he crashes into the seafloor just like he would have gone down if he'd been, like, you know, in the air and gotten hit with something. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's wonderful. Wheeljack is able to keep the others from being followed, but ultimately is himself captured, with Nurgle demanding that his men bring Wheeljack in. This time, however, when Nurgle tries to scramble his communication, Soundwave records it and unscrambles it, revealing to Starscream that he intends to develop weapons to defeat the Decepticons by experimenting on Wheeljack. Poor Wheeljack. He's not having a good day. He really isn't. Sometime later, Subatlantica rises from the ocean, because apparently... The Sub-Atlanticans can do that. <laughs> and while well, the Autobots attempt to escape on their water skis. Are they being chased by a whole damn city? Apparently so. <laughs> the Autobots make it back to shore and contact the Ark because Sub-Atlantica is heading towards <gasps> Washington, D.C.? It's the obligatory Washington, D.C. episode. And also this, con- well, I guess it explains why the Decepticons were flying at first. Because I thought the Decepticons were on the west. Their west base coast. Was- yeah. I mean, probably, but I still think it's funny. <laughs> it is. Megatron rallies the Decepticons, and they fly off. As they do. Nergil calls them comrades in a threatening way, so we know he's evil. It was the 80s. The Iron Curtain was worse than giant evil alien robots, don't you know? Seriously, they're the Red Scare with a hell of a drug, man. Yeah. We see Starscream hiding and spying on Nergil, even though he flew off at the others two seconds ago. Starscream paid Thundercracker to be his body double again, because he needed to dig up dirt on the king. I'm just confused why he had to do this at all. He already has the recording from Soundwave. Soundwave is a reliable source of information within the cons! He is, but Starscream... Starscream likes having his own secondary confirmation, I guess? I don't know. And back with the Autobots, they've apparently driven straight from Oregon to Washington, D.C. Isn't that a three-day trip? Not if you drive fast enough. How many tickets did they get? None. They just shoved Prowl in front with a siren on and called it good. (laughs) One way to do it, I guess. And um, the Decepticons arrive in DC. Thundercracker apparently got tired of his disguise because he's back to his regular color scheme now. The Atlanticans set up some sort of dome of invulnerability after Megs bullies them a bit. When the Autobots arrive on scene, a fight breaks out between the Autobots, the Decepticons, and the Atlanticans. During said fight, the Autobots are like, shit, we gotta be careful because, oh no, think of the history that could be got destroyed here. Yep. But in Chesapeake Bay, Bumblebee and Spike are attempting to break into the city to save Wheeljack. (sighs) Wheeljack is currently the subject of a super not fun experiment by our buddy Nurgle. And Starscream attempts to steal the magnetic dysfunction ray being used on Wheeljack, but Nurgle just zaps him with it and takes him prisoner too. I don't know why Starscream thought this would work, telling him to give it to him instead of, you know, just taking it from Nurgil. Starscream is a himbo. He is such a himbo. It's his defining characteristic. (laughs) Pretty and dumb. Yep. The king then leaves the room, but for some reason the device doesn't work as well on Decepticons and Starscream is both still conscious and can still kind of move. So great job there leaving the room without checking things, buddy. He was overconfident, and I mean, I kind of, I'm going with Starscream's Null Ray being the thing that's interfering, because yeah, I think it probably has a similar function, and so he's used to it. I'm actually going to go with Starscream being bigger than Wheeljack, maybe, because their sizes are 
pretty or different enough that maybe it, he didn't use enough power on him or something. That's possible. So Starscream crawls over to Wheeljack and hooks something into him, but Spike and B rush in, objecting um, vociferously, because uh, it that's possibly hurting Wheeljack. Starscream giveth not a single if fuck. <laughs> yep. Bumblebee knocks Starscream on his ass though, and he and Spike get Wheeljack back online. So then B, Wheeljack, and Spike follow Nurgil back to the others in DC proper. Nurgil promptly takes out all the fighting Autobots before Spike and the others catch up with him. How are they this far behind him? They were right behind him a few seconds ago and he's on foot. It's not like he was, like, outrunning them or something. Terrible traffic? I don't know. <laughs> Wheeljack calms the Dinobots for help. I'm not sure how the Dinobots know where Washington, D.C. is, but okay. Maybe they've got a Wheeljack radar? I think you mean deader. I'm also kind of wondering whether they could fly there and, like, actually, depending on how fast it takes them to fly there, they're probably flying at supersonic speeds. <laughs> you gonna make a supersonic man out of me? <laughs> Speaking of DC, the Atlanticans have taken over the Capitol building, and Megatron has taken over the Lincoln Memorial, going so far as to remove Mr. Lincoln from his chair and take it for himself. This is so fucking dumb and I love it. One, he's weirdly gentle when moving the statue, just sort of sets it off to the side instead of like, I don't know, yeeting it into the street or something. And two, I'm pretty sure that that statue is not removable. Three, he sighs and says, this chair was made for me. He knows what he wants and what he wants is a big damn chair. Well, in all fairness, he probably hasn't had a decently sized chair since they left Cybertron. <laughs> True. Both the Decepticons and the Atlanticans plot to destroy each other as the Dinobots land in DC to cause some chaos. So yeah, they were. that was obviously a supersonic flight considering that this took like five minutes. <laughs> Naturally, they start smashing up all of the shit. <laughs> Literally, they're smashing up force fields like they're glass. Of course, Grimlock's like, I'm here to save your ass again, Prime! Megatron attempts to fight Grimlock, but Grim just takes fusion cannon fire to the face, no problem. At all. And then he picks Megs up in his mouth and tosses him around like a ragdoll. While they continue to fight, Nergil shows up and, as he doesn't have a clear shot, attempts to zap them both with his, uh, ray thing. <laughs> yeah. But not before Starscream catches up and calls him a treacherous hydro weasel. Oh, Starscream. So is this one of those, you know, no one gets to kill Megatron but me things, you think? Mm. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> his Megatron is his dearly detested. Yeah, that's actually probably a pretty good summary of these two idiots. Yeah. B and Wheeljack catch up and tackle Starscream to get the magnetic dis function ray from him. God, that sounds like... It's MDR. <laughs> they should have called it. Uh, but this is funny because Spike just bails out of B while B is transforming. <laughs> it's just, unfortunately, that name just makes me think of erectile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it would be funnier if uh, that is actually what they call erectile dysfunction for robots. <laughs> <laughs> Are the equivalent? Yes. And, like, Nergil either didn't know that, and, like, so you have all the cons trying not to, like, laugh through all of this, or didn't know that and is being an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
ray or it goes out of his hand, uh, but Grimlock catches the ray and just breaks it. How big is that gun again? It was Nurgle size, but then it was perfectly sized for Starscream and Grimlock. Oh, everything can mass shift in this show, didn't you know? I guess. I don't know. Apparently, with the ray broken, its effects on the other bots are completely nullified, even though that makes no real sense. <laughs> While the cons and Atlanticans retreat, Megatron kicks the Washington Monument just because he can. Yes, he really is that fucking petty. He's a petty, petty vassal. Uh-huh. In Optimus's haste to protect the Washington Monument, he leaves behind an afterimage as he runs toward, you know, the obelisk to catch it. <laughs> it's a doozy of an animation error. And Grimlock tells him, good catch, and then nonchalantly helps Prime get the obelisk back upright. Uh, Slag has magical fire breath and uh, heals the monument almost instantly. Why does this work on stone? Magical fire breath! <laughs> Yes. Optimus compliments the Dinobots and t- says it's time to take care of Sub-Atlantica. But first, a two-second clip of them shoving Mr. Lincoln back into his chair. That was a weird choice that they made, but I guess they had to show... Everything getting put back to normal? I guess. Unfortunately, the chair now has Megatron cooties. <laughs> attempts to confront Nurgle, but he uses the impending Autobot attack as an excuse to get out of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's an excuse. Yeah. Spike B and Wheeljack follow Nurgle into the depths of the city, as he intends to blow the city and everyone on it to kingdom come. The king's murder-suicide scheme is not gonna work out so well, and... His subjects are going to wish that they had, you know, elections. Yeah, but uh, also Soundwave sends Rumble and Ravage after them. But when they see Nurgle attempting to blow everyone up, they attack him instead. Because they actually have a fucking brain. Everyone uh, then evacuates, and we mean everyone, including some bots that were definitely not here prior. Seriously, when did Trailbreaker get here? I think Ironhide's pretending to be a medic again, because I'm pretty damn sure Ratchet hasn't been here the entire time up until this point. That's actually a very nicely animated explosion, though, in all honesty. (laughs) And with said explosion, our episode ends for today. Join us next time for our first anniversary special. The Bay movies are coming for us. Or at least the first one is. Pray for us, guys. Pray for us. Oh, buddy. (laughs) I hope you like pain specs! already had to watch it at least once. I know we're gonna have to do it again. Yeah, we're watching this twice for you guys. <laughs> twice! It's a bad movie. It did not deserve one watch. Yeah. Would you like to wreck the first one? Sure. Our first fic recommendation is The Dead Unsung Heroes Club, which is by Secret 2. The continuity is IDW. Rating is T. It is slash. And the pairings are... Starjack, um, and also past Megastar, so Starjack, so Starscream, Wheeljack, and Megatron, Starscream, essentially. And our main characters for this are Starscream and Wheeljack. Other characters kind of come up in passing, even though they're not listed here. 
And in summary, one moment, Wheeljack is dead. The next, he's on the inside of a dark bubble-shaped planet, listening as Starscream explains that Unicron was defeated. They're somewhat midway through life and death, and Starscream hauled Wheeljack back there because he needs an engineer's help upgrading some busted Unicron parts into a machine that will let Starscream get back to the living world. But the longer Wheeljack helps Starscream, and the more he talks with the other Max scattered around Limbo with them, the more certain he is that Starscream is keeping secrets from Wheeljack about the purpose of this project. First and foremost, that his motives aren't nearly as selfish as he's led Wheeljack to believe. And the character of Theme Wreck this is based on is Starjack, because uh, Starscream and Wheeljack interacted. That was literally my only excuse for throwing this in here, and it is a one-shot. And our second recommendation today is Rest and Relaxation by Terrapoda, Silent P. Uh, continuity-wise, it's uh, the G1, in the G1 cartoon continuity, it's rated G. It's Jen, there's no pairings, uh, and our characters are Wheeljack and Ratchet, and also one really angry raven. <laughs> <laughs> Though that might be a bit of a spoiler. So in summary, Wheeljack takes Ratchet away from the medbay to give him some time to relax away from his duties. Nature conspires against them. <laughs> the theme is basically Wheeljack, because there aren't a whole lot of episodes that really... Focus on him. Yeah. And it's a one-shot. All right. And let's go to our art recommendations. Yes! So, uh, our recommendation for today is, I believe on their Tumblr in the description, they call themselves C, uh, but their Tumblr and their Redbubble page are both listed as Wafer Deer. So, either of those. They seem like they did more than meets the eye. I think everything I recommend today, or most of what I recommended today, is pixel art. And sadly, there's not any recent art on their Tumblr, but they have some lovely sprite work posted uh, that is still up there. Mostly, as I said, more than meets the eye, but there are some G1 stuff too, and we've linked some of their lovely pixel art today. We will also be linking to their Tumblr, and you can find other links on their page or ours. And our three pieces today are uh, Pixel, Megatron, and Flowers. Uh, basically, it involves kind of the memory flowers from the comics, and I just think it's very pretty. <laughs> that is very pretty. I like how they used colors in his legs. Yeah, no, he's he's real good. I'm happy about this. Uh, and then we have a ratchet piece of drift holding a ratchet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and both of these these past two are animated. Oh yes. Which I don't think you'd mentioned. I didn't. So good point. Um, but yeah, it's it's very sweet, and I it's like very it. pretty. And then our last one actually isn't pixel art, uh, but it is uh, Drift and Rodimus sitting next to each other. It is also very, very cute. So I quite like both of these, or all of these. Probably the Megatron one's my favorite, but uh, that's predictable. <laughs> I, I, I even tried to find other accounts for them. So if I find anything else when I'm doing the show notes for this, I'll link to it. But I, I wasn't seeing anything. So hey, if they're out there, I hope they're doing well, because <laughs> their art was really good. Mm-hmm. And that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as Afterspark Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Afterspark Pod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for Afterspark Podcasts such as AO3, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and YouTube, just to name a few. Till next time, I'm Specs. And I'm Els. Toodles. <laughs>